Ladies and, well, ladies. We're talking business. Ladies' business. No, not that ladies' business. Ladies in business. Especially tradie business. Whether you're a CEO, self-employed, working for someone or supporting someone else in theirs, this is a podcast about ladies in tradie businesses. Join your host, Nick Cox, one half of Tradies in Business and the Tradiepreneur Program, as she interviews inspirational, everyday, motivational and extraordinary women from all industries and walks of life about what it takes to be a truly successful, modern lady in business. Welcome to the show, ladies in business. Great to be speaking with you again today. I have a super special guest with me again today, Vanessa Lambert from Hazago. He's joining me all the way from Victoria. Vanessa and I have spoken a couple of times on the Tradies in Business podcast and we've worked together on a few webinars and strategies, but she's got an amazing story that I would love for you all to hear, plus a super cool solution to help you make your safety life on site much easier. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me yet again. It's um, always a pleasure to be in your presence. So, oh, that's so um... kind. I'll send you that <laughs> bottle of wine when we stop recording. <laughs> always, always love a good bottle. Who doesn't? Um, no, thank, thank you. In all honesty, it's, it really is. Um, it is awesome to chat with you and yeah, share my story and hopefully give um, the ladies that are listening a little bit of. Um, you know, solace that they're not alone, that uh, the story is not uncommon and uh, give them some solutions to help them with their health and safety needs. Wonderful. I, I particularly love that you're a fellow tradie wife and so you really understand and feel all of my pain and no doubt many of the listeners' pain as well. Um, Vanessa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be doing what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have been married for almost 14 years and been in business with my husband for 11, I think mm-hmm. it is now, almost coming on 12. So we own an electrical um, business and I'd love to say it's all been rainbows and butterflies, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows, uh, well, at least everyone listening to this podcast knows that uh, working with your husband and having a trade business is the hard yards. Um, so don't get me wrong, it has been very fruitful and we've had our moments, um, but we've also learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes. Um And it's really tested us in our relationship, in our family life. Uh, And, yeah, I think that's quite common. I think the the hardest part is often you feel like you're the only one that's failing. Um, And so it's really nice, you know, having things like this podcast and Facebook groups and things like that where, you know, ladies in business can come together and share their stories. And even though it doesn't make, you know, your mistake any better, Mm. um, it does make you feel a little bit better that there are other people in the same position as you and they've made it through the other end. So um, I think that's really important that we all share not just our, you know, amazing success stories, but hey, I made a mistake and I still, I'm still on the other end, you know. Absolutely. Enough of the highlight reel. It's not serving anyone. <laughs> it's kind of, I relate it back to motherhood. So if there's any, if there's any um, ladies in business listening who are also mothers, I have three children. Um, it's kind of like when you first become a mother and nobody, um, everybody's all telling you all the, all the great stories and, you know, you know, uh, make sure you make the most of every moment. They're so beautiful and precious and blah, blah, blah. But no one tells you about, you know, locking yourself in your wardrobe with a bottle of wine crying. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to, to share those stories because then it just normalizes the fact that, Hey, everything goes in ebbs and flows. 
It's so incredibly true. There is a, a real journey, I think, through business ownership and it, it doesn't end. We can make it, we can, I guess, smooth out the dips and the trough, the troughs, yeah, the highs and the lows. We can smooth them out. Um, so they're a little more stabilized, but there's still always going to be high points and low points. And you're absolutely right. We don't share enough of the low so that we can a seek support. So a big part of obviously having a low is that understanding that there are others out there that have been in a similar position. Um, this is how I got through it or just a pat on the back to say, you know what, it's actually going to be okay. Sure. It feels like crap and it's going to take a while to move through it, but we're going to get there. Um, but also then to help celebrate some of those highs as well, like that, that having that support, um, for both ends of the spectrum is a fantastic part of the communities that are becoming commonplace now that, you know, 10 years ago, much like, you no doubt when I was working in, um, our building business, there was nothing and nobody to talk to about these things. There weren't, there weren't, I don't think Facebook groups even existed yet. No, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I'm too old, but I'm pretty sure they, they didn't. <laughs> uh, I definitely wasn't part of any back then. No. Um, and it, and I think I suffered through a good five years by myself where I really thought, wow, I've done a doozy. Like I've really stuffed this up royally. Um, and I felt like that I had made all the errors, but I look back now and you know, then I, I organically grew friendships, you know, with other tradie wives yep. and started to hear that, hey, I wasn't the only one who had made that mistake um, and there were other people in the same boat as me. And then as time's gone on, obviously, yes, I am involved in a number of Facebook groups now and, you know, I see it all the time and it's like, oh, look, it is it is quite normal. <laughs> I'm not the only one who stuffed it up. No. Um, and, yeah, it's just I think so common in this type of business because, you know, tradies don't get a great deal of business etiquette training um they get on you know in their apprenticeship they might do a business plan that no one ever looks at um again <laughs> and then when they decide to go out on their own it's kind of like it's exactly like having a baby everyone just expects you to know what you're meant to do and then you just fumble along and hope and pray that you get it right um and yes you sometimes get it right and sometimes you do royally stuff it up and that's okay i think it's more about um knowing how to communicate that and also just taking ownership for it and um, learning from it because that's what you got to do in, in all walks of life. So, um, you know, it's a big thing, obviously, at the moment, you know, for the last couple of years I've worked for Hazako in, in um, digital health and safety. And for those who have listened to some of my other um, webinars and, and podcasts, I'm big on communication and it's not just to keep yourself safe on site it's in everything and um one of the biggest things we've learned as a couple and as a family is you just got to take a moment to step back and be honest with each other and honest with yourselves and create a safe space where you can be brutally honest to yes. each other yes. and not take it offensively or take it personally and then work through that so whatever it is that you've you know verbally blurted out or um you know, vomited out to you to your partner, and then create steps to to work through that. Um, yeah, it's super important because otherwise you just end up in a very negative space. It's a great point that you raise, and something that we talk about a lot with um, actually any woman that's working with their partner is that often those conversations that we need to have through business become quite personal, and they're not meant to be personal, but because we're in a relationship. They feel personal, whether it's us or our partner taking what we're saying personally. 
um, navigating those waters is actually really challenging. So it's setting up those uh, barriers and permission to have those conversations within a in a, a, a time frame or within an opportunity that you create so that you can be honest and open and get some of those feelings out there and know that your partner isn't going to actually feel like it's an attack on them. Um, that can be very challenging to set up and yet it, if we find navigate the road to setting that up we can create amazing success points because we're working through those issues as they come up rather than getting stuck in them and carrying them around and the frustration that goes with that as i'm sure you will have experienced as a a, a tradie wife 100 percent um and don't get me wrong we weren't that good at it to begin with mm. and that <laughs> so one of the learnings one of the learnings um so yeah i mean I think what's really tough is you are so embedded in each other's lives. You live together. You you might have children together. You work together. Likelihood uh, at the beginning, your work is at your home. So there's like no boundary between leaving work and, yes. and coming home. Um, and it does feel like it's all just a big tangled web mm-hmm. and you don't have much that's yours. And I think that's really one of the things we learned quite early on is that you do need to set some personal boundaries and professional boundaries even though it is a family business to say hey you know when we go out on date night we're not going to talk about the books or how many jobs we've got outstanding um you know and and it can be really tricky particularly if you do have children because often when you go out on date night you'll either talk about the business or you'll talk about the kids (laughs) try removing both of those conversations and it's quite funny um when you stare across at each other and go how those mets um <laughs> i literally have nothing else to say um and covid has definitely not helped that situation because no, not you know we're not going out into into the real world um and meeting people and having other discussions we go hey I, I heard this really cool story or i you know i met this person and how amazing is this mm. it's kind of just like staring at each other going great <laughs> um we're really stuck now but I think it is important to separate the two um, and we've always we've almost gotten to the point now where we we actually have a spot where we have these discussions so um, we still work from home as in our office is at home we don't have a, a private office um, and we've sort of delegated our outdoor setting is yeah. our um, is our is our space our our, a special space where we can be honest, our honesty space. I feel right. like I'm um, in a cheerleading movie and my, my spirits <laughs> stick. Um, but, you know, our honesty space where we sit down, we ki- we keep, we say the kids, can you, you stay inside and play? We, we shut the door mm-hmm. and we sit down. And I think the hardest thing um, or the barrier and the boundaries that you need to put in place is actually it's really hard to listen to your partner and not interrupt them while yeah. they're having their moment because mm-hmm. um, you want to you just you just want to defend yourself or you want to add a tidbit of information that you know you think is really important and you kind of have to bite your tongue and go my turn will come I, it's like being in primary school you know where your teacher's like no no it's not your turn to speak mm-hmm. um it's almost like that where you have to tell yourself let them speak and I will listen and and I will they'll reciprocate when it's my turn um and it's yeah years it's taken years for us oh, to get yeah. to this point the listening <laughs> but it is-, thing is the key it's it's the active listening and actually removing the ego enough to hear what they're saying so that you can understand where they're coming from before being understood yourself and i think that's a big principle that we we live by 
here at Tradies and Business is seeking first to understand, then to be understood. And that's exactly what you're explaining. It's actively listening to where they're at, understanding that through the understanding of what they're trying to get across or, or the point they're trying to make, we can move through to a solution rather than getting stuck in you're right, I'm wrong or I'm right and you're wrong and there's no winners in that for anybody. There's always a solution or a better way that fits everybody best. So I think it, it starts with that active listening and that's exactly what you're describing there. 100%, yeah. So, um, and, and since we sort of started doing that, I, it's just been a massive change because we both feel like we can, we've got that safe space where we can speak and we're not going to be judged and we're not going to be yelled at or, you know, start an argument. Um, Yes, we may not always love what the other person has to say. Don't get me wrong. I'm still not going to sit there and take take it all in and go, sure. Um, but I think it's just having that space. And, and generally, when we walk away from the table, we both feel better. So regardless of which one of us has enacted the table discussion, um, we'll both feel better about having had that discussion instead of, you know, in, in the old school way of doing it, you know, Craig probably would have sulked on it for months um, until it got to the point where he just was so frustrated and enraged that it would just end up in a massive blue and nobody got anything out of it. Um, I was upset, he was upset, and we still didn't have a solution to whatever the problem was. So, yeah, I guess that my biggest takeout has been that, you know, our biggest mistake, which was severely financial, so obviously um, put a lot of pressure on us as, as individuals, as family and in the business itself, was almost a blessing because off the back of that, um, we learned a whole heap of things, you know, and we pretty much came with uh, up with the three rules. So it was it was like having a, sp- a safe space and actively listening, um, feeling like we could communicate when when we had those issues come up, and also the past stays in the past and there is no blame. So whoever there wasn't it wasn't one individual's person's fault that that happened it was a joint effort mm-hmm. even if you know even if i'm the one who's looking after the books and i stuff something up the reality is the other person is still in the business and should still be checking over what that person's doing yes absolutely. so there, there should be a joint um you know responsibility that yes the error physically may have been mine, but there's still some accountability on the on the other person. So, absolutely. And since we've enacted those rules, yes, we are much happier people um, because it isn't a, a, any more a blame game or you stuffed it up and now we're screwed for the next ten years. <laughs> not Scary. It's okay. No, it's okay. I'm not. Um, but that is that is the thought process that yeah. we used to go through, um, and then then you just end up, you know, resenting each other and. And, and and I'm laughing, but inevitably it, it would have broken us completely. So, and I'm sure there's plenty of women out there who have experienced that firsthand and are no longer tradie wives. Um, Unfortunately, I'm in, and I think it happens in every kind of business where you're working with your partner. As we go back, you know, it's almost a full circle thing because we are taking so much of it personally rather than removing our, our ego from those conversations. Um, we are taking it all on as accusations or as blame rather than understanding, okay, there's just a problem here that needs to be solved. If it were our team member, we wouldn't necessarily feel personally attacked or violated by what they were bringing to our attention. We would be more likely to disassociate from our ego and find a solution moving forward. 
but it's a journey like you say it doesn't happen quickly often you've got to fall into those holes before you find or you even go looking or understand that there might be a problem that needs to be solved um how did you come up with the, the your three rules like where did that even come from for you what well, i don't know how um we I think one of the things was that we had some good support networks. So we had a really good accountant for starters. So when we first made, uh, you know, an error that caused us financial pain, and I'd say financial pain for a good three to five years, Mm -hmm. um, there were a number of things that we could have done at that point. We could have sunk it completely and just gone, we're done and and walked away. but for Craig, this was his thing. Like it was his only piece of individuality. It was his business. It was what he'd worked really hard towards um, and he didn't want to do it. And, and I remember our accountant going, are you sure? <laughs> It'll be much easier if you just wipe your hands. And I mean, you can start a new business and, you know, go on. And no, he was adamant and probably a little stubborn. <laughs> but he, we made it work. Like that was what he he wanted to do. He wanted to work through it he, and, and um, and that meant a lot of hard work on our end. But what we learned through that was um, that we had to be honest about why. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, I, I want to do it and that's the end of the story. Um, you know, that, that essentially was what it was at the, at, the, at the time. So it wasn't, you know, I don't care about how you feel about it. It's my business and I'm going to do it regardless of whether you want me to or not. Um, and then as time progressed, it was kind of like, why is this so important to you? Like, this is so stressful. We're both stressed out of our brains. We're tired. We've got young children. Just go get a job. Like, in my head, that's what I, I was like. Just This just seems like so much effort for not a lot of reward. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until... I really broke him down and just said, I just need to get, I just need to get inside your head and understand why, why you were so adamant at continuing down this path. And I think that was the tipping point when he really opened up and explained how he felt about the business and why it was so important to him that I was like, well, that makes sense. Why didn't we say, why didn't you say that, you know, (laughs) two years ago? (laughs) Why have we been arguing about this for two years? Um, And then from that, not only did I get a better understanding of why he wanted to continue, but then he realised that opening up to me wasn't necessarily a bad thing. So I think there was like this tentative thing around showing his vulnerability around the topic and why it was so important to him that then he realised, hey, if I share a little bit more, maybe we we can do it together. Um, And he was more open to me saying, well, I now I fully understand, but I also want you to have a really hard think about it because you still seem really stressed. And so if this is really what you want, should you really be this stressed and should life be this hard? Mm. Maybe we need to reevaluate what we're doing. Um, and so there was, you know, I think that was really the tipping point and um, where we, we sort of came to understand each other a little better and why things, why we wanted to do things that way and uh why we felt the way we felt. And there was at probably at the same point, uh, well, a couple of years before that point, I'd actually removed myself as a full-time employee. So I no longer, I'm still involved um, in the business. So I do the back-end sort of operations and, and um, payroll, but I now have a full-time job. Um, and the reason for that was essentially each other's sanity. Um, so while, whilst we could work together, you know, Craig, Craig had come forward and said, this is really important to me and this is what I want to do. I equally 
you know, came to him and said, I feel like I have nothing. So mm-hmm. you you have you have made it very clear that this is something that you're really passionate about and what you want to do and it's your business and it's the piece of you, it's your individuality. I feel like I'm just tagging on um, and, and you know, now we're married and we have three kids and I'm a mother and and I I don't know myself. I don't know what what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I and I want to support you 100%. But I don't feel as passionately as you do about this. And I I, I want to have something that's mine. Um, and that's how I fell into construction because I ended up being a display home host um, wow. part time because it was the only job that I could get that was um, going to help me pick up the kids from school. I had one in school and two young kids. So um, you know, childcare age kids. And I didn't want to, I was like, well, like there's no point in putting them in childcare because I'm not going to make enough money to, to repay it. Um, so I was like, well, how can I make this work? And I just, yeah, fell into a part-time job that was Wednesday through Sunday. So I worked every weekend, um, 11 to five mm-hmm. and then Thursday, Fridays, 12 to five. Um, and so I could do the drop-offs and then aftercare and, and pick up the kids and it, and it worked with Craig's schedule. And then I was good at it. So ended up becoming a consultant and actually selling houses. Um, and I did that for five years until I didn't want to work public holidays and, and weekends anymore. <laughs> I <don't laughs> and, then I, and then I fell into Hazako and it was literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'm not just saying that because I'm here, I'm sitting here in a Hazako shirt. Um, it's such a, a, you know, a beautiful blend of everything that I've done in my past lives that um, I can't help but be passionate about it. And it's exciting because now I have found that is my individual, you know, that is my individual passion project. And, um, you know, now we're, now we're 100% better off for it. So, you know, Craig still feels supported. I'm still there helping him. We've got extra, extra, you know, people helping us where we need it. Um, and I can still go off and do what makes me happy and what I'm good at. So, which yeah. is really important. And I, I think that there are two types of couples, the ones that find their way individually but still come back together in some points. And then there are others that can find their individual purpose within the joint business. I, th- I think there's two ways to go there. Um, I, like you, always had an outside interest as well as working within the business Um, and now we don't actually do that anymore so he does his thing totally different and I do my thing totally different and for the most part it's much better than it was before I shouldn't say that I feel like we're giving everyone no hope Um, and yet a lot of that was actually because we didn't have the maturity right back when Um, and so we didn't learn a lot of the lessons that we're talking about today until we had uh, we weren't working as closely together. We actually yep. needed a bit of space to find that. And there are now ways to shortcut a lot of that. As I alluded to earlier, there weren't Facebook groups. There was no support. The podcasts weren't a thing. There was nobody else to talk to around. I just can't get him to listen to me or he just won't hear my point of view. Or if we just did this, this would change. There's nobody to come back and say, you know what, maybe you need to actually listen to why he doesn't want to do that first get an understanding around that and then together work on a solution. There was none of that. So I I really feel like had I have been better supported externally, it would have been an easier journey for me to find my individual space within that business. Um, 
So there is hope, ladies. You don't have to Absolutely is hope. not work in the business, but you must take time out for yourselves. I think that's a big thing that you've That is, yeah. For me it was covered. for me it was it was is it was finding another job, but that doesn't that's not the the solution for everyone. It could oh. just mean that you have yoga on a Wednesday. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that makes you happy that separates you. And I think that's the that's really the key message is not making not living you know, breathing everything, the family business um, or the trade business, because then when it, when you do have those hiccups, everything falls apart because you've, you've not, you've got nothing else. Um, So I think that's just, that's it. And like I said, it really just comes down to having open communication and being opened and honest and hearing what each other has to say and then working together. Whilst I don't full-time work in the business, you know, it's now gotten to the point where Craig won't make a big decision without saying, hey, what do you think about this? Yep. Um, whereas before he'd be like, I'm just going to do it <laughs> and then I'll tell you about it. And I'm like, well, I'm not happy about it because yep. now you've just gone and done something that actually does affect me. Yes. I know that I know you're the director, but, I, you know, it's still our family business and it That's affects right. us financially. Um, so, yeah, we, we have come a long way. And I, I think sometimes you do need to just um, have those moments in, in your own sort of business where something happens and it, and it, it sort of spurs on that mm. that change and sometimes you can just figure it out on your own without having you know a massive dent like we did yeah absolutely <laughs> the more of those we can get to the better nobody wants to go through the hard yeah. times and yet sometimes they're the the, the best times of your lives in retrospect never in the moment in no the never moment, in the moment it feels like absolute <laughs> hell and yeah, the shame and the embarrassment, <laughs> the uncomfortable conversations, it's horrible. And yet, like you've identified in looking backwards, in retrospect, it's the really defining moments that are the catalyst for change. But you don't have to wait for that hard time. You can actually make some of those changes right now and keep moving forward. And one of those changes that we're going to talk today is about safety. Now, safety is a huge passion of mine. You and I have shared this before. I've had a few incidences on site um, that could have been avoided, quite frankly. uh, All three actually could have been really easily avoided and yet they weren't. And my safety system way back when, when we were still building, was very archaic. It was paperwork. There was so much paperwork. There were just hours and hours of paperwork and trying to get our team to be compliant, our subbies to be compliant was almost impossible because there was a lot of resentment around the the paperwork because tradies don't like paperwork, right? I don't, I don't never no. met one that really enjoyed it. And so no. there are now solutions that mean that we can be safe. It's top of mind as well. It, and it's a practical solution so that it's 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 real time thinking about the situation I'm currently in rather than it just being, you know, that, my God, that stack of paperwork had to have been five phone book sizes for anybody that can remember phone books. They were huge. And so nobody actually took in that information as they were working through the site safety plan for every site they needed to go through or nobody would remember to sign into site each time they were there and then sign out that they'd left. Like there were just so many little things that, that – they were just they were ticking boxes they weren't actually thinking about what they were doing but Hazako has a solution that actually makes that an active choice we're thinking as we do work through the process rather than it being just this arduous thing that we need to do yeah 100% so basically the the system's designed um, around the three main obligations that builders have but we do have 
obviously tradey version as well. Um, and essentially that's creating a site-specific safety plan. So in different states and territories, there are guidelines as to when you must have a safety plan and when you can slide through without one. Um, and that's something that probably in residential construction hasn't been very well executed in the past. So a lot of builders would be building without one um, and then obviously opening themselves up to risk. Others may have, you know, gotten a professional to write one and then they're reusing the same plan on every single job site. So it's not site specific and probably is missing a whole heap of information that's relative to that job. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the second one being, so you touched on it being inductions or sign in and sign out, something that commercial construction does really, really well, but not so great in residential construction. Mm. Um, it's really hard to do because generally your smaller businesses, you might have one site supervisor to whatever it might be. Even if you've got, a, you know, a 15 site supervisors, the reality is that you're never going to have the direct proportion of sites to supervisors, which means they can't be on site physically you know, 24-7 to sign everyone in and induct them and tell them what the safety rules are. Um, so that was the second piece of the puzzle that we wanted to fix. And then the third piece and probably the most important piece was the active safety management. So, you know, the dreaded safe work method statement that um, or, you know, swims um, that people love to hate uh, and, you know, doing site audits or risk assessments and running toolbox talks. Um, how do you report incidences? How do you prevent incidents from happening? All those little pieces of information. And yes, it all builds up into a big wad of paperwork that, let's be frank, once it's completed, nobody reads or looks at. And the longer the list of paperwork, the less likely your tradie is to actually comprehend anything that's sitting within its pages. So, yeah, basically the system is designed to simplify. It's our, our main mantra is effective simplicity. So it's um, the least amount of steps you can take to be compliant. Um, but the way that it's designed and because it's um, created through an, a mobile application, it's done in real time on site. So it's not something that, you you know, the office admin is doing and then palming out to everyone else. It's the guys on the ground looking around the site and, and um, you know, experiencing firsthand, have they identified that there is some form of risk there and how are they going to control it in real time? The beauty of it is that all the content exists within the framework. So you don't have to have any OHS or WHS um, you know, qualification or experience to be able to complete the documentation. So it's really, really simple. Um, and then it all feeds back to what we call the hub, which is like the control panel, so that the people in the office or the site supervisors can keep tabs on everything that's happening per project. So I think the biggest piece is that it is site specific um, and all the information draws back into that specific project. So when you do or if you do get audited, it's super simple to find all the information that you're looking for and run the auditor through, hey, this is how we're running the site at the moment. And these are all the things that have happened and this is how we've rectified them and this is how we've prevented them. Um, and I think the beauty of it is that once you start using it, it almost becomes second nature. So as with anything, you know, change is difficult. So the first part is just trying to get your head around how to how to change and what to do. But once you've got yourself in the habit, it almost becomes subconscious. Um, and a lot of people talk about, you know, safety culture and, and essentially that's what it is. It's, it's not 
I have to complete this piece of paperwork to make myself compliant. It's I have to check my site to see if there are any hazards and how I'm going to control them. Um, and then it's around, hey, I've picked up all these things that I didn't even know were a hazard before. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best part of the system, if I'm going to be honest, is mm-hmm. that it almost teaches you to what to look out for. And then, you know, before you know it, you've got guys walking on site and go, whoa, hold up. That's that's not right. Um, can, we, can we just pause for a second? Let's reevaluate, refix, and come back, and and then we'll get started again. Um, and so that's that's essentially what is improving Hazico members' site safety. Essentially, dropping their um, their risk level and removing, you know, their incidences. I think the the stat is something like three point four times less likely to have an incident when using Hazico. Wow. Um, you know, you can never negate the risk 100%, let's be honest. And anyone tells you so, you can laugh in their face because (laughs) we're all human. There's going to be incidents. You know, people make mistakes, even if you've done the most stellar job at, you know, identifying risks and considering risks and managing them. There's always going to be that one thing that Mm -hmm. you miss or someone's just having a bad day, um, clumsy. Mm -hmm. It it all happens. I think what's really important um, and more so from a business perspective is knowing in your heart of hearts that you did do everything you could have done to prevent it from happening, even though it hasn't in this particular case. Um, And then learning from it. So if you go, actually, no, we did stuff up. Like you mentioned before that, yeah, probably your incidents could have been prevented. Mm. And that's okay. You take ownership for it and you say, okay, where were our gaps? What did we miss? And then you communicate that back to the team and you say, okay, Bob's hurt himself. Luckily, it's nothing, you know, he's, he's gone through with a near miss and it's not not anything drastic. But what we've picked up from it was Bob could have done better if he did it this way. Yes. Um, and so from this point forward, we're going to do it this way. Um, and I think that's where there's a bit of a disconnect. So often people and businesses get um, almost afraid to admit that, hey, we've done it wrong or we haven't, we don't have the right controls on site or we're really flexible with blah. Um, and I think it's important to actually put your hand up and say, actually, that's a problem. Like yeah. we we need to we need to look at that and we need to fix it. And not only just verbally say it, but have it in writing somewhere that you have discovered that this is the issue. And then you need to actually act on it. Obviously, writing it down and not doing anything with it isn't going to help anybody. But what that does is essentially give you a, you know, a a fallback. So it, it's like, hey, yes, we didn't rectify it in enough time, but we did notice it was an issue and this is what we were doing in the process of rectifying. Mm. Um, and I think that's where like regulators are getting to the point now where it's kind of like they're not the baddies. They're not, they're not there to police you. It's more around trying to get less incidents on site, trying to reduce the fatalities on site, the reality is, I mean, this year alone, we're up to 17 deaths in construction alone. Um, and I don't even want to tell you what the overall work um, fatality rate is. But it's, you know, we've got to stop this whole it won't happen to me attitude. Um, yes. Because most of these have been incidences that could 100% have been prevented. And now someone is missing their child, their mm-hmm. father, their brother, um, their sister, their mother. And it's not okay. Like it, it shouldn't. We shouldn't be sitting here going. It's just I'll, I'll be. She'll be right. 
I don't need a harness. I'll be right. You know, oh, that's for horses, whatever it is, because let's face it, that's what comes out of most trading smells. <laughs> Not doing it takes too long. Um, and just creating like an atmosphere where we can step back and say, that's not okay and I'm not going to do it. You raise an excellent point and it's my biggest concern as the mother of a couple of apprentices that they don't have the confidence to go to their employer or highlight a risk where they see it. And I've seen it time and time again. I've seen the attitude, you know, that gung-ho attitude of, oh, she'll be right, I'm not putting on a harness, I'll be right. I've had arguments with my own team around wearing hard hats when there's a crane on site because maybe something will slip off the steel that they're moving from one area to another and their attitude was well you know a hard hat isn't going to save me if the beam falls down it's not about the beam mate it's about the piece of gravel or the piece of dirt that's on that beam that's 50 meters in the air that's going to gather that gravity and momentum and hit you on the head and then what how do I go and tell your wife that you're not coming home today it's that that complacency I think is turning with this culture of safety that I do see really becoming foremost in the mind, even of tradies. I, I think complacency before maybe five years ago is where I really started to see the change. And I wonder if the change has come because of um, programs like Hazico where you, you've you made it easy. So therefore they're more willing to look at the risk around them. Whereas before I feel there was that real level of complacency. Perhaps business owners were a little bit more concerned because they're directly responsible for their team. Uh, and I know lots of the wives that I talk to are extremely concerned about keeping their husbands or partners safe and their team safe. Um, but now I'm seeing there's a lot of the tradies that are also prepared to put up their hand and say, you know what, that's not safe. I'm not entering that site until this is rectified. I need these control measures put in place, call back to the builder or the developer or whoever they're working for to have that taken care of so that they can be safe and it's mindful for them. Um, and I, I just hope that we continue as an industry to reach those higher levels of looking out for one another rather than the she'll be right attitude that was, you know, so commonplace for such a long period of time. Yep. There's, I think, so many elements to it. Sometimes it's not just the, like, it's not just the attitude. Sometimes it's the pressure. Mm. Um, you know, they're all on, you know, express deadlines to get things done. So um, this time of year is particularly troublesome um, because everybody sort of has that forced closure period over Christmas. It's the end of the year. Um, everyone wants everything done before Christmas. You know, all your clients want everything done and finished up before Christmas. You obviously want to get paid, let's face it. Um, and so there's like this overreaching amount of pressure that comes with, I just have to, I'll work until nine o'clock at night. I will do five jobs in a day. I will run myself um, into the ground just to make sure I get there. And with that comes a slipping of everything else. Um, and so, yes, the first thing is the attitude. The second thing is being able to stand up and actually have, um, have your say and not feel like that's a bad thing. Yes. Um, I know I know with with my own husband, um, it took years before he was able to go, no, I'm just not doing it. I don't care. You get up there if you want to do it. Um, I will wait until it stops raining. Yeah. I will wait until blah. Um, and he's been laughed at and called names and he just doesn't care. He's that type of personality. That, well, you can say whatever you want, mate. I'm, <laughs> I've got a family to feed. Um, so I think it's really important to get to that point where you do feel confident in yourself to be able to say, yeah, I'm just not doing it until this and that's been rectified. Mm -hmm. And then also sitting back and going, 
particularly at this time of year, really working through what is what is urgent and what is not urgent. And then having, again, a conversation with your clients and saying, look, I know you wanted it done by Christmas. The reality is I'm not going to get it done. And that's it. Um, there's not much they can do at that point. Uh, you've half started probably. And yeah, they might be upset, but the reality is what's worse, an upset client or a dead partner? Because that's essentially, and I, I know I'm being 100% just frank and blurted that out, but that is the reality. Like if you keep doing what you're doing, you will slip up. Um, yes, it might not end in the worst case scenario, but even a severe injury can be hugely devastating to a business. I know we've spoken to this you know, before. Even a minor injury to a small business can be, you know, financially quite difficult to recover from um, when you look at how much you have to pay out just in your work cover, you know, mm-hmm. even when you don't have an injury, um, you've got to pay that out anyway. So, so many different factors. But yes, you know, I guess what we're trying to do is change people's ideas around, I have to do it because, you know, that's what makes me compliant or that's what the law says and more, I want to do it because it means I can be more efficient, I can be safer on site, and I can have, you know, um, a good record of all the things that we're doing well and not doing well um, and how we're going to improve that. I just love the simplicity of the system. I've spoken many times about my... Uh, it was a nightmare trying to run our safety system for a construction company where we would have three to five jobs running at any one time. It was almost a full-time job for one person. And even then, quite frankly, I don't believe we were compliant and I don't believe it was effective, even worse still. We did everything to the letter of the law, but compliancy and effectiveness still comes back to the people on your team buying into the process and it's hard to get them to buy into a manual process where it's very paper orientated so I just don't feel that we were effectively keeping people safe the way that a system like Hazaco does where it's just so darn simple to do what is necessary and highlight the risk and figure out how to control the risk that is present because it's present everywhere as you've spoken about um, on average can you give us some sort of approximations around time of how quickly this can be actually oh, effective yeah. easily um, so you know, obviously starts with creating the project, which is what creates your site-specific safety plan. And then that spits out to all the tradies that are going to be working on site. To do that is literally about three minutes. So yeah. you, in the system, three minutes have a completely site-specific um, site, you know, site plan that's electronically distributed to contractors. And then every time someone scans onto the site, so that also generates a unique QR code, um, they'll also be given a electronic copy. So in case they've missed the, the email, it does pop up on their screen um, on sign-in and then they go through an induction. So, um, you know, just double checking they've got all the right equipment, that they've trained and qualified, that they're going to abide by all the site rules and in the current, um, you know, crisis that we're all facing, that they're, you know, going to comply with all the COVID safe regulations as well. So, it does tie that in. Um, And then, you know, that process for the tradie um, is probably 30 seconds on their first scan in. So their induction process would take 30 seconds. It's literally, I think, nine questions, something like that. Um, Every time they scan in thereafter, they again do a COVID screen each time, um, but they're also agreeing to the site rules. So really what they're doing there is saying, I am fit to work today. Um, And I I will make sure that I'm doing everything that you've previously specified. So it's kind of like a daily commitment that, yep, 
I am, I'm in. I'm in. Um, and that's four seconds, maybe. Um, scanning out is literally one second. Um, it, it happens all in the app by clicking a button. I've left site. Um, when it comes to active safety management, so the guys that you employ most likely, so um, like your site supervisor, I think the hardest thing, um, well, what, what is perceived as the hardest thing is they're like, oh, now I have to do a site audit. And I never had to do a site audit before. And it's like, you 100% have done a site audit. You're <laughs> likely doing a site audit every Friday when you're Absolutely. doing a quality check for the customer. Then yes. you're going to go back and say, yep, we're at this stage and it's looking like this and this is how we're progressing. This trade's going to come next week. It's exactly the same thing. Absolutely. You're just going to, you know, you're just going to do it in an app and it's going to spit out on the other end and it's going to save you a whole heap of time and um, money in the long run because you'll start to see that there's a pattern yeah. over, you know, across those sites. You're going to see, hey, we're doing this really well. We kind of suck at this and we really need to get that. We need to get better at that. And why do we suck at it? Is it, you know, we're not educating our trades well enough? Do we not have the right trade on site? Do we not have the right equipment? Um, what is it that that isn't quite working? And, you know, that's five minutes a week that essentially could save you thousands in a, over, a, over a lifetime um, and also keep everyone safe, which is really what our ultimate goal is, um, you know, keeping the guy at the top of the ladder safe. So, yeah, it, as far as timing goes, it's probably one of our biggest um, selling points in that everything you do, whether it's in the hub or in the app, is literally under minutes um, and can be the difference between, you know, a very successful, um, safe business and mm. one that isn't. That's a whole staff member's wage every year back in my pocket. Yeah. It's as simple um, as that. For, for our business, that's what that meant. Yeah. It's, and it's and it's one hundred percent true for most businesses. Um, even the bigger guys. So obviously, we have members that are only building one to two houses a year, all the way up to guys who are building five hundred houses a year. Um, and I think that's what I love about the system is it's scalable. So it's affordable for the guys who only need one or two projects, and it's still affordable for the bigger guys, and it and it grows with you as you grow. But um, it's also that you get the extra, you know, support. We're not just a, a, a digital platform. You do have support as, you know, um, through, through my teams and I'm very proud of them. Um, you know, the, the customer success team who are there to help you learn how to use the system and implement the system. Not that it's hard if you can, um, you know, activate your Netflix account, you can use Hazako. That's the beauty <laughs> of it. Um, it's built built by trades for trades. We understand technology is not their favourite thing, just like, Paperwork is not their favourite thing. Um, and so it has to be simple, otherwise no one would use it. Um, but we also have the advisory team, which is, um, you know, for myself, coming from someone who, you know, has owned a trade trade business and has unfortunately experienced what it's like when someone has an incident on site, having our health and safety advisors a phone call away 24-7 when you have an incident to be able to say, oh, my God, this just happened and I don't know what to do. Do I need to call WorkSafe? Do I need to register? What type of paperwork do I need now? Are they going to find me? Do I, you know, do I send them to a hospital? What is it that I've got to do? They're there to hold your hand and say, it's going to be okay and we'll step you through each way, you know, um, each day that comes past, we'll, we'll step you through the process. So, you know, that's obviously the extreme of, of the advisory line, but they're there for general chit-chat as well. So, you know, just trying to get a swims done or I don't know when I'm meant to do a risk assessment versus a swims, um, you can give them a call and they'll talk you through what what you need to know. 
That's fantastic support, and I'm just I feel pretty crappy actually that this wasn't around for me ten years ago. I feel so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, fault, Nick. Vanessa. It is. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Vanessa, where can our listeners find out more about yourself and Hazico? Uh, sure. Well, myself, you can absolutely um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Vanessa Lambert. Um, and for Hazico, um, we're on all socials. Um, so you can pop us in Hazico um, and our website, www.hazico.com. Um, I usually give the phone number out, but as Nick knows, I stuff it up every time. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> I should, I can just turn around actually. It's 1-800-954-702. You know, there you go. Um, there is also the opportunity to, to trial the system. So when you go to the website, um, you can click on a free trial for seven days, get access to the whole um, kit and caboodle, have a look at it and then talk to our team around um, any questions that you have. Fantastic. Thank you, Vanessa. It's been an absolute joy to speak with you today. I'll make sure all of those links and numbers are in the show notes as well um, so that people can reach out to you when they're ready. Sounds fabulous. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ladies in Business. Got a guest you'd like us to interview? Maybe you have a story to share or some feedback to give. Find us on socials or drop us a message via the Tradies in Business website. Take care of yourself, ladies.